Hello and welcome to The Week at Work. I'm David Gibney and this is episode 35. This is a special episode where we interview Michelle Gavin, an ex-Debenhams worker and Mandate Trade Union member and shop steward. Michelle has been on the picket lines for almost eight months now seeking the collectively agreed redundancy package that her employer promised her and her 1,000 colleagues before they entered liquidation back in April. That redundancy package was four weeks pay per year of service. We talked to Michelle about her experiences working for Debenhams and how she was informed that she'd lost her job, along with the battles she's had to endure over the last 230 days. We hope this interview will form part of a series where we talk to ex-Debenhams staff about the trials and tribulations they've had to go through to get a fair settlement. As always, a reminder that The Week at Work is part of Left Block, an alternative media and political education project. If you want to know more about Left Block or you want to support our activist-based project, you can do so at www.patreon.com forward slash leftblock. That's leftblock with a C, but no K. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Michelle Gavin, a hero from the Debenhams Picket Line. Michelle Gavin is my full name. I'm in the Waterford store and I was there 27 years. How many workers are where they're in that store? I reckoned there was about 68 of what we called uh, own bought, so paid by Debenhams, basically. Right. Uh, so it was about 68 of that. And then there were more in concessions. Yeah, we had, um, so in total we had 90. How did you hear that you'd lost your job? Do you want to just talk us around that? Like, it's like everybody else. On the Monday, um, they made a decision to close up the store. That, that was the 23rd of March. And uh, for the pandemic, <clears throat> I went in on the Tuesday, the 24th, to deal with all the money because they wanted as much as that bagged up and taken off the premises as they could, not to be leaving cash, I suppose, there. And that was it, left that Tuesday evening. Um, funnily enough, I did say to one of the girls, um, the manager that was in with me, I probably never see you in work again, jokingly. <laughs> yeah. And she said, oh, but don't be like that. And we just said it laughing and off I went. And little did I know, <clears throat> on the 9th of April, um, I'd get a generic email like everybody else to tell us that we had uh, been made redundant or we were being let go, whatever way you want to put it. You know, uh, now some people got them before others. So a friend of mine in Cork contacted me first and she said, look, did you read your emails this morning? And I said, no. She said, read it straight away. And then the word just went out. We all started contacting each other then. Right. So, yeah. Horrible news to get like that. Well, it is horrible news because, not trying to be smart or anything, but, you know, the managers at least got the courtesy of a phone call. And I know it's probably a big task to ring us all, but you would think that would be, that would have been the least they could have done for us. You know, I know they couldn't change the outcome. That's what was happening. Mm. But at least they could have given us a phone call. I asked Michelle if she'd looked for a job yet. And I'll be honest, I haven't really looked for one because this situation I'm in at the moment is 24-7. Mm-hmm. And being the shop steward, I suppose I, 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 well, I suppose it was maybe expected, I don't know, but I take on the role of trying to organise and do whatever. Yeah. So I do feel for me, it's 24-7. I don't, it never shuts off in my head. Yeah. You know, um, like we were very badly left down by Debenhams. You know what I mean? There's not we can do about that. They walked away. So therefore, I suppose you have to then blame the government after that because they left it happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have no control over these things, but it does affect me greatly. Like So at the moment, it's 24-7 for me anyway. 
And when you say it affects you greatly, um, do you want to elaborate on that? Again, you don't have to if you don't want to. But. Um, well, like, I suppose I was fortunate enough I'm a bit older, you know, but like I still um, have one daughter in college. So like their fees I still had to pay. And um, I was lucky enough my mortgage is paid. So I'm in a lot better position than some of the other girls. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I suppose mentally it affects you as well because like I was there 27 years and like whilst they were saying they weren't doing great or they were doing great, um, I thought I'd be deciding when I'd leave. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Like I suppose you become complacent is that a word you'd use? because we had a secure job so I didn't have to think about ever looking for a job and that you know what I mean so um so in that way I think it, it was a big shock like I actually remember saying to the girl I worked in the cash office with um one other girl and the, the general office like we did it between us the two of us and um, we ran the two offices between us and um, I remember saying to her I think I'll say till I'm about 60. And then I decide whether I leave. <laughs> and little did I know I wouldn't have that choice. Do you know what I mean? And um, for me as well, being slightly older, you know, I would consider myself reasonably um, confident in a lot of ways. But the thought of even looking for another job is even very daunting for me, yeah. do you know. And um, having to go to interviews and all that, like it's changed an awful lot since, since my day. Do you know what I mean? What you have to get yourself prepared and organised for, even though I know I'd be very capable. Unfortunately, I think when you read what what's required, even mm. you kind of pull back a little bit. You know, so in that way, it affects you. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even your day to day life. You know, I I organise my whole life around um, the pickets and that. And when I'm not on the picket, like, you know, you're doing Zoom calls, like. Um, with Jerry and them if we have to and then you know I suppose with the campaign that was um organized by Jerry and them uh, to contact um all the TDs like I would do a lot of that as well so it, it does kind of you know your whole life uh, is it revolves around the picket at this point in time and even for headspace like until this is over I don't feel I can move on you know um more than anything and the others are the same. We'd love it over just the same as anybody else, but seven and a half months on, you just don't want to walk away from it. Like, you know, I know the government said they can't do anything or whatever, but they do owe us and and they allowed um I suppose the way I look at it, they allowed the the, the Debenhams, the facility to walk away. So I suppose that's where you know, you get angry too as well from time to time, you know, as well. You get annoyed because you feel helpless because you can't really do much about it and we're doing our best, mm. you know. And then I suppose another part of it too is there, well, not everybody took part in the, the pickets, you know, that puts a bigger burden on the people that are doing it because we have to do a lot more shifts because others didn't want to partake or can't partake, whatever way. Presume some people have moved on and got jobs or... Well, some got jobs, others just didn't want to come and that was it and I, like you can't force anybody and that's fine they have to make the decision that suits them mm. you know but you just feel kind of if we were successful they'll take the money you know and they won't turn around and say well I didn't go and fight for it so um. I asked Michelle to explain 
just exactly what a shift on her picket line looked like. What we've done is um, we, we do it in four hours and a quarter. That's what one of our shifts would be. So you just go in and there's three of us at a time. Now we're lucky enough, we basically only have one area to cover because there's no other area that they can come in from. I know the likes of Cork and maybe Dublin and then they have multiple areas they're trying to cover. So the three of us would sit or uh, dependent on whether we think, you know, sometimes you, you kind of, you, when you see that maybe the security guards going in, because they don't go in every day, you kind of then maybe get a little bit. So you would just watch the doors. But most days, like the last, I suppose, four weeks, it has been very quiet because we maintain of the COVID. Mm. Um, so we would, we'd sit and we'd chat and we'd have a cup of tea and depending on what time you were on, then you might bring your lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm used to sitting at the side of the street eating my lunch. Um, so yeah, we go in and we just set up our area and we have seats. So we sit on those, we have blankets at this stage um, and we wrap those around our legs to try and keep warm. If it's raining, then you just try and put on your wet gear and um, protect yourself as best you can. You know what I mean? That's all you can do. Because we, where we are, unfortunately, it's the wind kind of tunnels down. So you're, you do get a, the full brunt of it. Right. But look, it's great to chat with everybody. Like we like to chat because you catch up and you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, We're yeah, it, that part of it, believe it or believe it not, I miss when it's gone. Because a lot of these people, like, I will see them, but not in the same way. Yeah. You know, we've kind of formed a good bond, um, the picketers, and, you know, we help each other out, like, um, you know, one of the chaps there now, um, one of the girls, um, a builder left her down and that, so he's going to go up and tile her kitchen for her. Yeah. And, uh, do you know what I mean? Things like that. And if anybody needs something and one of the rest of us have it, we'll, I say, I have it, I, I'll give it to you, you don't have to buy it or things like that. So we have a great little bond that way. And we do look out for each other in that regard. But I do know when this finishes, eventually, we'll probably go our separate ways. And yeah, I'll see him in town. And there's some you'll be more friendly with others and you'll keep in contact with those. But I'll miss the, it's just, to, I say to my, my husband now, I'm going to work. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I asked Michelle if she'd heard of the Duffy Cahill Review before the strike, and whether or not she was informed about the Cleary's dispute. Or, uh... I don't know Cleary's, but I'll be honest with you now, much to my shame, maybe. Um, as I said, when you have a full-time job, you're, you become complacent, uh, you know. And I wasn't really aware of the Duffy Cal report as such, mm. and that was a big eye-opener to me. So your eyes are opened a lot. I've learned an awful lot after this, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, to realise that if that had been implemented we would have been protected to some degree, yeah. you know? And um, so I have to be honest with you, that was a big eye-opener for me. And that's one thing I tried. Like, I, I've done interviews with the local radio station and that, you know, they've been very good and very supportive of our strike and that. And he has given us airtime. And I've always tried to mention the Duffy Car report on it and just to make people aware how it's important it is that they look into that and read up about it. Because if you have a full-time job and you're permanent, you tend to not worry about these things. 
but I didn't think I'd be in this situation. Mm. So therefore, um, I just think it's very important for every worker to try and get their head around it because it may happen to them at some stage. And I will say I didn't know about it, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Not that I couldn't do it, done nothing about it, but maybe it's something we should have pushed for a long before now. All unions should have maybe pushed when there was nothing happening. The other part of it then as well, like you were saying about, um, you know, the effect it has on you. Like I was one of the ones in Waterford that occupied our building. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Didn't think I'd ever see myself doing that. Like, <laughs> that's another part of it. Like, I've done things like that. I didn't think I'd ever see myself doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I asked Michelle if she was proud of the actions she'd taken. No, I am. I'm very proud. I didn't think I'd ever do anything like that. And it's just a little conversation a few of us had one day. And I said, well, I'm willing to do it if anybody else is. And then it just kind of formulated from that. We just kind of waited to see how things were going and... The week, uh, the Monday we went in, we felt like we needed to get a new focus on it and can bring it back in the public eye, so to speak. So that's why we decided to go and do it um, that particular week. Yeah, I am. I like, <laughs> I'm probably sure, but the chap I'm married to, I'm married to um, a retired guard, guard sergeant, and, and I was, <laughs> and I know he was very anxious about it and all the rest. But you know what, when I came out, I came home and um, he had a lovely bunch of flowers and a beautiful big card to say, I'm very proud of you, you know, and that meant so much to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's been so supportive all of all of this and he's been great. And I'd have been lost without him because he has a lot of the posters that we made outside of the union stuff. He's done all that for me. You know, he's been brilliant, I have to say, you know, and uh, that does make a big difference. Like, you know, yeah. but. Um, yeah, it just, I'm standing up for my rights, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel that that's why I'm doing it like that. When the guards came in, I was saying, first time, I was saying, oh my God, oh my God. You know? But like, I mean, I have to say the guards down here have been great too, you know, they've been very supportive as best they can within their own limitations. Like, yeah. but, um, you know, and even the, the people that came in with me, we, we were all very proud of what we did. We felt it got another focus out there and, um Michelle told me about the political support she'd been getting or lack thereof. Um, with regards to the TDs in Waterford, it's been very poor and very, very disappointing, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, our local TDs are all uh, party affiliated, I suppose, and they definitely toe the party line, and that's very obvious. Right. We have one Green, we have one Fianna Fáil, and we have, what's the other one we had? David Cullinan as well. David has been good. He's been a great sport because he's from Sinn Féin. Mm. Um, but Mary Butler and Mark Acastic, um have not, have to be honest. She did come down, uh, but she wouldn't sign the the pledge card and either would Mark Ocasek. Um Matt Shanahan is an independent. Now Matt said he's supporting us and all that, but he hasn't been great and hasn't really come down. Our local mayor didn't come near us. Um, you know, some of the councillors are on our side and they're great, but the ones, again, that are affiliated to the parties are tending to stay away. Yeah. So I have to say, as regards TDs and that, it's very, very bad. Um, as regards public, they're brilliant if they're cast. Unfortunately, where we are, we're a bit out of the way to the back of uh, the building because that's where the loading bays are. Yeah. Um, so people don't tend to see it too much. Um, but, so, but the public are great. They'll drop over stuff to you. Some of them drop small donations so it tends to buy the teas and coffees 
and that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Like we're directly opposite um, a retirement home, I suppose you'd call it. It's just a big block of apartments and there are older people in them. And then they have a maintenance man and they have a small area of it where they're able to go in and socialise, you know, but they're all in the one, say, bubble kind of thing. And um, they've been fantastic to us because they're older and they understand about unions and they understand about pickets and they understand about like nearly half of that have passed have said, I remember when I was on such and such a strike, you know, and uh, so they understand really. And like they let us have in the evening time, especially the the toilet facilities, which is brilliant. Do you know what I mean? So all of that makes a big difference. Like, like one of the, the, the women passed the other day and she said, I don't know what I'll do when you're gone. She said, I'll miss you so much. <laughs> yeah, I like to <laughs> nearly every day, you know, and um, pass on then, you know, and I suppose it is a little outlet. But I said, we'll come back and visit. Don't worry. I said, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but that makes a big difference to you. You know, it does help keep your spirits up. Michelle explained how the strike had been a learning experience for her. It has in a lot of ways been a learning experience for me, yeah, I suppose. I know I was the shop steward and I would have known a lot of stuff that way. But I've learned an awful lot more than I realised, do you know what I mean? So how long were you the shop steward for? Um, I don't know exactly because I was the shop steward going back and even in Roach's days I was the shop steward. But then, um, just due to personal reasons, um, I... I had to come off it for a while, but there about five or six years ago, I went back on it. So on and off, I've been shop steward for, for a good many years. I'm the type of person, um, I hate somebody not treating somebody else right. I don't agree and I don't see that there's any need for any business or any person working in a company to try and belittle and put down somebody. Um, it's not necessary you know, you can still do your job and treat people with some sort of respect. There's no need for it. Mm. And I suppose I always would have had a bit of a mouth on me, so I'd always speak up. Good. So in a way, I suppose it was probably natural enough that I would go into it. Now, my mother was a shop steward as well. So, um, you know, when she was working, so, mm. and we, we would have always had a strong, um, in all the family, like all my, my mother is one of nine and um, she would have, they all would have felt the same. They were, were good workers, but just stand up for yourself. And, yeah. you know, and, and that, and that's what we always did. You know what I mean? So I suppose I would have got it from there as well. Um, another thing I, I say to as well, to have on the other side of it, like when I was inside in the, the, the occupation, like, as I said, my mother is one and nine and up to this year, all of them were still alive. And the youngest is 71 and the oldest is 88. And um, they were all alive. And the first one of her family died when I was in on the occupation. And that was hard because I was there and I was saying, do I come out or do I stay in or what do I do? You know, I was in terrible turmoil over it. And I remember um, she rang me to tell me what had happened. And then she said to me, no, she said, don't come out. Because Jim was a fighter and he wouldn't let anyone, so you're to stay there. <laughs> so, wow. do you know, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, unfortunately, two weeks later, uh, the day that the lorry decided to come to Waterford to, to actually, I think it was to deliver pallets and that, the second member of her family died. Wow. So we lost two in the space of two weeks. And 
like that's all on your mind as well. We're trying to do ordinary day-to-day living as well. Um, do you know what I mean? And you have all those things going on in, in your life as well. Yeah. You're trying to cope with the COVID as well. And then we have this thing that's always there that is not going away. You know, so, you know, as much as you want to fight, and we will keep fighting because seven and a half months, you're not going to walk away. Yeah. But you do want it to end. We want to move on, like, you know. And um, like we were, I was just talking to one of the girls there today and that donation we got, we decided to split it out between us all because we've incurred expenses, you know. They're paying for lunches and coffees and, and even for gloves, hats, rain gear and odd stuff to try and keep ourselves dry, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we, we, we divided it out between what was left there. And one of the girls, when I handed her the money, said to me, oh, thanks for the God, she said, I really need that. The poor child needs her glasses repaired. And I can use that to pay for that. And she also said to me, she still hasn't received her redundancy money. And she said to me, I hope I get that money in the next few weeks because she said I was on the mortgage holiday and they're going to put, that's going to hit back in. And she said, I really kind of need my mortgage or my, my redundancy now to help me get over See, what people don't understand, and I know they say you're getting your two weeks statutory. We are, and it's great, and we're delighted. But we should have had nearly double that. Mm. You all of a sudden had a permanent full-time job. Now you have nothing. Jobs are not as plentiful as they were because of the pandemic, right? But we still have all our expenses and things like, because when you're in a permanent job, you take on things that maybe you mightn't. So you might have borrowed for your car. You might have borrowed for, you know what I mean? So that extra two weeks would give everybody that opportunity to put that side of their life in order for a few years. You could pay off that car loan or you could, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So that's the side of it that we didn't get the opportunity. That's what the Devlins took from us, mm-hmm. that they hadn't even enough respect for us to say, we'll pay in those two weeks and at least we have to walk away and we have to do what's good for us, but at least they have a chance you know, even someone could have used that money maybe to go back to education and they could have done something that they always wanted to do and didn't because they were working and they had obligations. Do you know, from that aspect of it, like, it's hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a human aspect to it that people are missing. Um, they are completely, like, and, like, as I said, we have all the same trials and tribulations still going on in our lives. They didn't go away just because we were on strike, you know what I mean? We have people that, you know, one girl attends the hospital every second week she has medical issues, and but she comes in to do her strike duty, you know what I mean? There's no issue with that um, and, and things like that. So we have all that that's still going on. Like, I was going to ask you about the government. What, what would you, if you had one thing to say to the government, what would it be? My thinking on it is, if you have the willingness, you can solve this, mm-hmm. right? All it takes is a bit of effort. And I just feel completely let down by our government that they're willing for seven and a half months to stand aside and leave whatever amount of people sit on the side of the road, because that's the only way you can put it, is we're sitting on the side of the road through whatever weather, and they're not willing to find um, some solution. You know what I mean? When we went to the WRC, we were willing to negotiate, you know, and it was very apparent that KPMG weren't, and... um, I, I, I actually think I'm shocked that that's what they did. That's what they've been doing to us, to be honest. Like, when they come knocking at your door, you know, they're looking for your support and they don't worry about knocking at your door and they'll give you all the spiel 
But like, here's a thousand workers looking for the support of the government that's in place at the moment. Mm. And no willingness was shown by Micheál Martin at any point to even sit down with us and see could this be worked out, you know. Yeah. I actually firmly believe that they thought we'd be gone away by now. And yeah. I think that's what he did. He hoped that if he left it long enough, we would actually give up. And we would end up like Cleary's and eventually then they could shelve it again for another little while. Do you know what I mean? Uh, his inability or his lack of willingness is, is what astounds me. And the rest of the TDs, like, I feel the same about them, you know. You know, I said that to Marco Kasich and I said it to Mary Butler. I can't believe that, you know, you knocked at our doors and you asked for our votes and you didn't and you haven't and you still haven't given us the support that you should be giving us. Mm. You know, like that Duffy Cattle report was there. When this happened as a government, if they had any regard for any of their constituents, you know, regardless of whether I'm in Hall's Martin's constituency or not, I'm still a member of, and I'm still, um, I'm, I'm an Irish citizen. Mm. If they had anything, they would have said, well, fuck, we'll try and get this into play now. This mm. might help, like this is going to happen. Do you know one thing that struck me that they come out and they say, and he said there even on Tuesday, yesterday, when he, he was talking to McBarry um, about it, he turned around and he said that um, these rogue companies, it would give him the opportunity to, to do this, you know, if he uh, introduced this, um, you know, and bailed us out, kind of, so to speak, then yeah. it would give other companies the, the... I don't think he's understood anywhere at any point that Debenham's already did it. So mm. they're not waiting for him to give us anything or not give us... They did it. Mm. They walked away. And yeah. I don't think they're grasping that for some reason or other. Yeah, it's a lot of like I think if you're looking for one word, I suppose, then is disbelief. <laughs> That's yeah. what would come for me. I'm just, uh, you know what I mean? As I said, I wasn't big into politics, but it kind of opens your eyes now yeah. that, you know, this inner circle, as they call it, it's very apparent that that's what's there when I see the amount of money in this country that's being wasted. Um, so it's kind of this being involved in all this opens your eyes to other things, mm. you know, that maybe I wouldn't have taken an interest in now, but everything kind of now I'm saying, you know, um, yeah. it does, it makes you aware of everything that's going on now and how bad, like we should have a brilliant health system. We should have the teachers and the schools should be all sorted. You know what I mean? But at this stage, like, you know what I mean? Um, another thing I always felt like, um, there should be no person in this country in a progressive country like us that should be waiting on a cataract operation in 2020. Yeah. Something so easy to fix, not horrendously expensive. And imagine even an old person going nearly blind for something that's so simple yeah. because they're just not willing to, you know, things like that now you become very aware of. And I think this, this as well has a kind of highlighted that for me or made me more aware I asked if Michelle had any positive stories from the strike to wrap the interview up with. We did that protest yesterday. This lovely gentleman came along um, and he said, I was just wondering, would you mind, he said, if I go on your protest with you? And I said, no, not at all, we'd be delighted. He said, I made a little sign. So he had his little sign. And then he said, and I made you some nice sandwiches that we can have afterwards. So he made lovely homemade bread. 
And he said, I made it gluten-free just in case anybody now might be. And beautiful, beautiful sandwiches there. And we handed them out afterwards. And uh, I have a little picture or a little video with that in it, and I'll, I'll send it on to you. And these beautiful sandwiches he, he had made um, to, to help support us on our protest, you know. So that's, that's nice stuff, like. That was Michelle Gavin, ex-Debenhams worker and Mandate Trade Union striker from the Waterford picket line. If you want to stay up to date with the strike, you can do so at the Stand with Debenhams workers Facebook and Twitter pages. Thanks for listening. And all, as always, please share this with anybody you think might be interested. Give us a review on iTunes if that's where you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe. If you want to support the project, go to www.patreon.com forward slash left block. Thanks again and talk to you soon.